Thanks so much for coming. My name is Joshua Cloak from The Athletic Toronto. Um, how about another hand for Laura Armstrong, John Molinero, Andy Petrillo? They're on the beat. They're on the beat. It is, uh, it's pretty remarkable that for the first ever footy talks, we've had, we've had you know, dozens of pitch talks. We've had puck talks here. Um, for the first ever footy talks, TFC is all in. And uh, I asked Tim, I'm like, do you want to come to this thing? Here's the deal. Here's what, it, yes. He said, yes, I'm in right away. And that's, that's remarkable. That speaks to uh, just how invested Tim and TFC are in this city. Uh, so we're going to talk. I hope you have some questions ready. Um, anyway, without further ado, let's bring him out. Our man, TFC's GM, Tim Bezbachenko. But it's true. Tim, you came in here and you, you were excited. You looked at the crowd and you were like, this is great. Let's, 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 let's just nerd out on soccer. That, did I say nerd out? Uh, yeah. I, am, I, I am. Uh, I am a nerd. Uh, I think we all are, right? Um, let's be honest. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's hip and cool to be nerds these days. So, um, no, I was, I was telling the crew in the back that this is, this is incredible. Um, you know, I don't think this happens in every market in MLS, and, and John and Laura touched upon it. it. This is a different market. It's special. It's it's a sophisticated soccer market. I know not everyone here is TFC fans. Everyone has their club in Europe. Um, but, you know, I think I think we're working at it, and I think in 10 years from now it's going to be a little different. The uh, people will be more TFC fans and, and more uh, Canada soccer fans, and I think that's, that's, an, that's amazing. And the fact that we can gather and... In this venue, um, um, downtown, I think it's really cool. So thanks for having me, and, and uh, let's, let's talk footy. So in the times that we've spoken, I, I've known you to be a man that is always looking ahead, always striving for something more. The last time we spoke, you talked about how excited you were to have refurbished the dressing room to improve the player's quality of life. You always want something more for the team. But right now, TFC's top of the table in MLS, your off-season acquisitions performing very well. Um, no one would be surprised if you guys would take the Eastern Conference again. So I want to know right now, are you happy? Are you relaxed a bit with, with where the team is at? Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's never sort of a, a static question, right? It is, you can always reflect on where you're at and say, you know, this is is this where we wanted to be and and the answer would be yes you know i think happy is 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 sort of a strange word i, I in this job i'm not sure you're ever happy uh even getting to the championship i think it comes with with deep pain and sorrow when you when you actually really reflect upon uh what, you know what happened and and then you have to use that as motivation but you know as as sports lovers and fans as i am and and as everyone is here is that's sports you don't get into sports if you want to be happy every day uh, you surely don't, um, because most you know you're of the talking day, to TFC fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. Um, so, so look, I, I think you know, I, I think we. What I'm satisfied with is that we've been able to build upon um, some of the foundation that we laid, uh, you know, a few years ago, and then we continued to to build upon. I think that's that's the key. Is that that as you as you build your roster and you build your culture that you get buy-in, uh, and you're always trying to think about the next thing. I'm, whether or not it's TFC or in life, I'm sort of never thinking about the present, and it's pra- probably to a fault. Always thinking about the next thing. I'm never really living in the present, and I think that's, that's maybe uh, a product of, of our generation or whatnot, but um, it certainly helps in this job because you really have to be, I think, six months, 12 months, 18 months ahead, um, whether or not that's on the first team or, or in the academy and, and TFC too and then uh, uh, in our organization. But it has been a great month. What has stuck out for you through the team's really strong play through the month of May? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, obviously we, we, we've gone on a run, and, and um, at least in league play. Um, you know, we, we won six, and then we, we got a good result in, in, um, in New York uh, or New Jersey. And, um, and yeah. it's... Um, it's funny because you know we left that game thinking that we, we felt like we, we, we probably should have gotten more out of that game and and, uh, and and what I'm proud about is is 
the guys that have stepped up and, 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 and all the journalists in this room and everyone who covers us has, has talked about it and maybe, maybe ad nauseum about our depth. And um, I, I think that it's, it's really something that, that it's very hard to do in a salary cap league. And, and, uh, and it's certainly not you know, uh, my doing. It's our whole team's doing. And it's certainly Greg Vanny and the entire coaching staff's doing. They're the, one, they're the ones who work with these guys every day. Uh, and 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 Jay Bent and, and Chris Posniak and and Danny Dicchio and Laurent Guyot, our whole or technical staffs running down through TFC two and TFC three, really work with uh, these players so that when they're not playing every day, they have an arc, sort of a, a proper trajectory in terms of their physical load uh, that they they that they sort of have every 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 week in every training session. So. Um, when it comes down to the sports science, you know, every single exercise has a player load in it. And uh, uh, a starting 11's player load in terms of a week, because they're going to play 90 minutes on a Saturday, is completely different than a player who's going to be maybe getting 20 minutes and then obviously going to be different from a player who doesn't make the bench. So um, I think that it's really kudos to the coaching staff and what they've done to develop the depth and then to the players to stay mentally focused. Because at the end of the day um, – I can get up here and talk, and we can talk about roster building, but but it's a player's game. Um, I love soccer because you put 11 players out in the field, and, and ultimately they're the ones making the, the decisions. Uh, and whether or not we're talking about youth soccer or TFC2 or, T, you know, the first team, um, it's a decision-making sport where you've got to teach players how to make decisions and, and control their emotions, and that's how you win. You you mentioned a few times the, the team's strong run of play in MLS. We have to talk about last night. Um, if we're being sure? honest... <laughs> I thought we decide what we talk about. Uh, what happens in the green room? Um, no, you know, I think we were all surprised last night seeing, uh, you know, Ottawa defeat you guys 2-1. Um, but I have to ask, I mean, how big of a priority is the CONCACAF Champions League? And I ask that because the MLS schedule is grueling enough as it is. And then you've got the playoffs um, and the CONCACAF title has been won by a Mexican team the last 11 years. So I, I, I know that winning titles and winning trophies is important, but are you at a point with the team where you're, you're saying, look, we, this title has to be more of a priority than this title? Um, no, because I, I think it's, it can sometimes present it as a false dichotomy. I think it is a massive priority, the Canadian Championship. Um, and not only because it gets us to, to the CONCACAF Champions League, but we want to be the best in, in Canada. Uh, we want to have our trophy case in our you know, in Kia training ground filled with, with trophies. Um, but the false dichotomy is that just because you play your young guys doesn't mean that you're not placing priority on the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we believe in the guys that we put out there last night. And even if they're younger, um, you know, Mitch got his first, uh, Mitch Tainter got his first look last night. And, and you're not going to, you know, have success in the short term or long term if you don't have the courage to put the guys out there. And I know that our fans are, are extremely excited about, you know, up-and-comers. And Raheem Edwards has gotten a lot of traction in the last, uh, you know, uh, few weeks. And, and we have other guys coming along, Malik and Liam Frazier and a lot of these, you know, under 20 Canadians. And, and so I don't think it's, it is a massive priority to answer your question. We want to win it. Uh, we expect to win it. And um, last night was, was, you know, it's the cup narrative. It's what makes, it, it's what makes the tournament exciting, right? You've got to go to a place that maybe the surface isn't great. Um, you know, maybe you don't have your, your, your regular 11, uh, multiple changes, and you have to rely on depth. And you're, you, you're playing against a team that has everything to play for. Um, literally their careers, they're thinking about whether or not they want to be professionals anymore. They probably have kids at home. Their average age is probably around 27, 28. Uh, and, and it's tough to, you know, in terms of salary to cut it in, in USL. So the, everything's on the line for this team. And the question is, can our guys, can they step up and, and, and match the intensity? Uh, and last night I felt like we did for most of the game, but, but there's, there's a certain point where, um, you know, where, where, where we certainly were not matching what they were bringing uh, in terms of emotional intensity. So what happens now? I mean, three games in eight days coming up, including Wednesday's second leg. I mean, are you having conversations with Greg uh, with regards to the fact that, hey, maybe we need to put a Vasquez or a Bradley or, or, or whoever it is into the lineup? Because like you said, maybe you didn't field your best 11 for that Ottawa game. Mm-hmm. 
For sure. I mean, I, th I think that's, you know, that's what we do on a daily basis between myself, Greg, um, Bill, and, and, and Corey Ray, and, and our whole sort of technical staffs down to TFC 1, TFC 2, and TFC 3. You're talking about, you know, objectives, priorities, how to achieve our goals, and, and so you have to talk about who's available, right? Um, you know, a lot of times it's informal. You know, Greg will come into my office, or we, uh, at Kia Training Ground, we have a cafeteria, and we sit down, we have breakfast together, and we talk about where the team's at. Uh, we have Columbus coming in, and, and we, you know, the Trillion Cup, and then next week we got the return leg with Ottawa, and then a couple uh, days later, then we have New England, and then you have a big break, right? You have the international window. So you're always talking about um, different looks, uh, different lineups, you know, whether or not we actually execute on those ideas, that's, that's frankly, that's, that's Greg's decision at the end of the day, but he's the type of person which is, is we're lucky to have because he's seeking out others' thoughts and input. He, he, wants, um, he wants to be questioned and, and challenged, and so we, we are absolutely having those conversations. I think as TFC fans, we, we've, you know, we've loved the last few weeks, last month, because there's been so many games. Last night makes it eight games in a month, and, and that's a lot. And after the Minnesota game, uh, Michael Bradley was talking to us, and, and he, one of the first things he said, he's like, look, there's been a lot of games, and that affects the product on the field. I want to get your perspective as someone who started in the league office. I mean, this condensed schedule, it, look, if TFC had lost four or five of those games, there might be outrage. There's not, but is that condensed schedule still something that the league needs to look at yeah and the, yes and they are um you know having been at the league office you 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 have this perspective that that they don't really know the game and that they don't know what they're doing uh sometimes uh but what i can say and, since and, and, you and, left right um <laughs> that was you saying that and i not the first time i heard that um but no, no. In all honesty, they're they're they are every day looking at the schedule, uh, uh, schedule congestion, the challenges of the transfer window. I mean, it's it's incredible that we actually employ players, uh, and we pay them salary their salaries, but then they go off and play for. I mean, it's great they play for the countries, and it's great about soccer, and I think it's unique. Um, but compared to other sports, it I mean, it's 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 actually incredible uh, and strange. Um, and a lot of times they get injured and you're, you know, you're left with a big hole in your lineup. So, um, you know, the league is certainly doing everything it, it, it can to uh, loosen the restrictions. Obviously, what we want to do as a league, I think, is we want to compete and win CONCACAF Champions League. Um, at, you know, I, we were talking about it backstage is, you know, people and the fans are really obsessed in thinking about where is our place in the world. Uh, whether or not that's an MLS or, or the CPL or Canada soccer, We're, what is our place in the world? And, and uh, the first thing we need to do is be able to win CONCACAF Champions League. You know, when MLS places a club into the club world uh, championship, that'll be a great thing for MLS. And so uh, in order to do that, you've got to look at everything. You've got to look at schedule. You've got to look at timing uh, transfer windows. You've got to look at uh, the international windows, whether or not you're playing through games. You've got to look at broadcast um, because maybe you do want to play only on Saturdays, um, but you can't because of the window, but then that Im impacts broadcast. It's all interrelated, and it's extremely challenge challenging for the league office, um, but, but they have experienced people working on it, and, and even though I didn't like, I didn't like playing with five games in 15 days, and, and I think Orlando went on a stretch uh, that, was, that was extremely difficult recently, um, you know, sometimes you have to live with where we are. Uh, we only, we're only, this is 22nd season. I mean, this is... Um, we're still young, and, sure. and, and we aren't the priority right, you know, right now in terms of broadcast, and we're working on that, and we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, so it's, it's, it's just making you know, progressive steps and, and, and climbing higher. Through the month of May, um, and I think we could, we could all probably agree, two players that have really stepped up, Victor Vasquez and Chris Mavinga, um, two players as well. These are your big off-season acquisitions, and these are players that really kind of stumbled out of Raheem. the gate. We'll talk. I got a lot of Raheem questions. Don't you worry about that. Um, but these are two players that you know were brought in uh, to fill various roles, but again, stumbled out of the gate. Um, we're going to talk a lot about transfers, but what's going through your head when these two big players? don't perform well immediately. How do you stay calm when that happens? 
You know, I, I you don't really have any other choice. I mean, you can't. You can, there's no receipt you can return. Not that I would ever do that, but but you. Um, that's just an honest, you know, when, when, when you got to make sure you do your due diligence. And we, what we all know is that um, two-thirds of international players fail in our league. And when I say fail, I, I, all I'm saying is they're not playing. Yeah, what, do you, what do you mean by fail? Like, yeah, what, what is yeah it's success and failure. You could do a very low bar and say, you know, playing in 66% of the games. Let's just okay. start with that threshold, right? How many internationals are signed to actually compete and play in 66% of the games? It's, you know, there's a, there's a low strike rate. It's, it's, it's barely, a couple of years ago when we did the analysis, it was really around a third. So there's two-thirds of players are failing. Or they're, they, so what you have to do is you understand that some of that has to do with, um, you know, uh, acclimizing to your, to, your, to your climate, to your, to your city, to your, the geography, to the travel. All of these things uh, come into play when you're talking about an acquisition. Now, I think in the offseason it's much easier to find success if you're able to get a player in who will spend the preseason with your team uh, and you get to know them uh, as a person and they get to fit in sort of culturally with the club. I think in the, in the midseason it's, it's much more difficult to, uh, to sort of strike. What's that? So I think it's... We have a heckler already. Yeah. yeah. So, five minutes. So look, I, I think that... I think, look, Victor and, and, and you know, I... I they're both players that we, we had scouted. We, we knew what they right. were. We knew what they were going to bring. Um, and our team is really about, after making MLS Cup, you actually, the challenge is, do you feel like you have the pieces to make another run? Uh, do you feel like you have your pieces that can compete for the regular season to maybe win and compete for the supporters' shield? Because as we all know, it's two different seasons, right? You have our 34 regular uh, game season, and then you have the playoffs. It, it, to win in the playoffs, it's a different it's a different type of game. It's a different type of roster that might be competitive in the playoffs. So all you have to do is look at the last two winners in Portland and Seattle to see that you don't have to do well in the regular season to compete in the playoffs. And so the question is, what's your barometer of success as a club? Is it to be up there at the top of the table all year and win, be a, a supporter shield winner? Or is it to you know, just get into the playoffs and be competitive and make – uh, make a late run. And, and I think every market's different, and every owner's different, and every front office is different. So um, in terms of what we were looking at in the offseason, we felt like Victor was someone who could help us do both, uh, as well as Chris. And, and um, we're excited to see that they've settled in now, and especially as we've been able to, and I talk about this, establish our identity earlier in the year um, because of the lack of the road, you know, the road trip that we've had to, t- had to take the, the first two years. Chris and Victor, um, they've obviously got, you know, an impressive pedigree, um, but they might not have the names that, a, um, you know, a Michael Bradley, a, a Javinko, or a <clears throat> Jermaine Defoe uh, have. Um, I want... <laughs> I just said his name, that's all. But I want to know, I mean, he you... He signed a new contract, I all understand. Right. It's pretty strong. <laughs> that's for another chat. But the, the question is, I mean, you were behind, you've been behind every major signing these past few years. I, I want to know, what did you learn after Defoe? What did you learn about what type of player to bring in? <laughs> they might have the answer they know. for you. They no, but, know. No, but what, what, did, what did you learn about what it takes to bring in, you know, players? Uh, first off, I love our fans because they know... Uh, everything, as I hear regularly. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, I love you guys. Um, uh, I learned a lot about. He said folks. sheepishly. Yes. I can't really see everyone. These bright lights. Um, no, I, I look. The first, and I've, and this isn't something I haven't said before. Uh, and and I'm more, you know, want to be more open and, and t- reveal more facts if you have questions and everything. But, you know, I think what we learned is is this is not something where you're recruiting someone at all cost. You are trying to find players that understand the challenge ahead of them and to meet sort of halfway. Um, and, and with Jermaine, I think we are, as a club, we are in a position where we, um, we really needed a name. We felt like at the time that resonated with the fan base. And, and our fans are European-based, and they watch the EPL. And, and, and obviously we had 
uh, an ability to sign him with our relationship with Tottenham and then uh, our coach's relationship with the player. So we felt like it was, it was a good fit from a lot of ways. What we failed to do was really understand the motives behind why he wanted to be here uh, and his extended network, uh, so to speak, <laughs> of, 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 of people. And, and, and look, you know, I, I, Jermaine is he's obviously an incredible talent, and, and he's never... Uh, my conversations with him were always extremely professional and and you know and, and he's always been um, nice as a person obviously you know at some level there's a desire for him to leave and he didn't really make that direct right and and that was the challenge is that it wasn't we all know now that there was a desire to leave but it wasn't very direct uh, in terms of and if and if that had been made more directly I think it, we could have maybe moved earlier um, but but uh, regardless, we learned a lot, and, and I think we were able to, obviously, it allowed us to get Josie Altidore, because we were able to swap, who, um, who's been absolutely uh, incredible for this club in so many ways, and then, and then I, I always say this, I, what I learned on that trip and through the, recor- the recruiting efforts, sitting down with not just Jermaine, but all the other players that we recruited during that time uh, with our group, um, gave me the tools directly to go out and sign, uh, you know, we actually tried to sign Victor at that time, uh, right, but also right. uh, Sebastian Giovinco. So, um, it, there's and he's a, done okay. He's, he's done all right. He's done all right, you know. So we, uh, we just got to get him healthy and, and get him back on the field, and, um, and, and then I think we'll all be a little bit happier. You know, I want to keep talking about transfers because there's some rumors of some big names from England maybe coming to MLS. Ibra, Rooney, uh, John Terry. Um <laughs> I, look, I just, rumors, rumors. I, they all want to. The question is, like, when you're bringing players in, um, do you have to sell players not just on TFC as a club, but MLS as a league? Do you have to sell them on how beneficial it might be for them as a player? You certainly, I wouldn't say sell is, is the word. I, th- I think... Um, First of all, the city speaks for itself, right? In terms of the club and our facilities, I don't think we have to sell Toronto. It's really going back to the Jermaine and, and Sebastian experience. I think it's more about laying out what we are and who we are, what our identity is, especially now when we have, you know, we're, we have some momentum now. This is who we are. If you want to join us, that's great. But if you don't, you're not going to be successful. We could pay you all the money in the world, but you will not be successful. I mean, it's, you could look at China or some other places right now that are spending a lot of money where the players don't really want to be there. And uh, you can learn a lot. And I, and I think and you can learn a lot from the other sports markets and, and, and uh, leagues in North America. So um, I don't think you have to sell. You certainly don't have to sell the market. It's, it's an international city uh, and with momentum in, in, in all regards, in all respects. Um, and, and a country with momentum. And then I, the league, I think you just have to educate them. So, again, I don't think you're selling it. it you know, our, our academy director just got back from a, um, uh, a trip where, with the other academy directors where they visited uh, a number of clubs in, in, in La Liga and in France. And he said he was bombarded with, with, with people not just talking about, you know, MLS, you know, it's really – I'm watching now and I'm really – I'm paying attention and it's pretty good, but – but, but saying, hey, you know, Toronto, we're watching you. You guys are playing good football, and, and your, t- your younger teams are doing well internationally. And so there's certainly momentum, and I really think we've hit a tipping point within the soccer community internationally where it's gained respect. Now, there's a whole, you know, we have a, a long ways to go, uh, broadcast and, 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 and competitively to compete at the world stage with our countries, and then obviously uh, if we can get to the Club World Cup. So. Well, I, I want to expand on that. I mean, thinking bigger picture what needs to happen to kind of change the perception of mls as a whole and again i'm asking you as someone who's worked in the league offices and and now is the gm of a franchise what do we need to do to change the perception of mls you know i guess in europe as well it's a big question um that's why you're here yeah yeah no i i there's so many things we need to do and and we have to do right um i think you know, off the field, I always divide things off the field and on, on the field. Off the field, I think you have to, we've got to continue to look at our schedule. Um, we have to understand what the relationship is with our national teams. Um, how are we going to um, promote our young players to play for the national team so that they get experience at a younger age and then 
um, you know, perhaps either play for MLS or play internationally, right? I think that's an important thing. Um, you know, as a league, we need to have consistent, you know, broadcast time. We got to look at the broadcast with our partners and, and figure out, uh, you know, what resonates with the fans. Uh, how can we get our stadiums for, full at kickoff, right? Because that looks better. Uh, I know it's, it sounds so silly, but you know, at at, at, BMO, at BMO Field, right? It's it's really the 25th minute. Let's let's be honest here. It's the 25th minute before it really looks full. You gotta stop the... serving at the Brazen Head. You right. know, you gotta you gotta tell people like. Yeah, I know. No one no one follows Ooh, me on the parades. Yeah, I know. I know. Talk about transportation in the city, and that's I one know, thing that I gets know. everyone going. I'm still trying to learn how the Allen didn't make it all the way downtown. Um, uh, every day, every day. So anyway, look, look. I think in in terms of uh, to getting it to the next level, you got to look at everything. Uh, uh, most importantly, then you go on field, the product quality, right? right? I mean, it all comes back. I think the earlier panel said it best. If you're winning, they can't ignore you. Whether or not you're in Toronto or globally, uh, if you're winning, national team club team, people can't ignore you, and, and when you're winning and playing entertaining soccer, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, possession-based. It could be exciting transition uh, right. football. I think there's a number of ways I think that's important. So how to do that? You know, how, how can you do that? And I think the league is, is, is looking at that right now. They invested heavily with this TAM, uh, uh, which is just additional salary cap, right? Uh, they, they gave us more resources to go out and sign players like Victor Vasquez. And that's important, right? Because what we found when we did some studies is, is the designated players are making a difference. Um, but the rosters were a little bit shallow in that sort of four to seven slot, right? When you, when you ter- in terms of competitive international soccer players. And so uh, that's what this targeted allocate, allocation money is intended to do is, is allow us to raise the level and compete uh, with other teams around the world in terms of player acquisitions. Uh, and we are, you know, every time I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a player, the player always has other options. Sure. Um, and typically they are accepting less money for the lifestyle uh, of, of Toronto and for MLS. Um, but they also respect, they'll do it now because they don't see it as a graveyard, you know. And, and so you mentioned some names earlier. I think all of those players want to play in MLS. The question is, does MLS want them uh, from a soccer standpoint, okay. not a marketing standpoint? I, uh, I want to go a bit behind the music here, and, and, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about, um, you know, six months ago at BMO. Um, you were in a lot of ways the architect. Well, not a lot of ways. You were very much the architect of that team that made it to MLS Cup Finals. But I want to take us behind the scenes. Where do you watch that game, and then what goes through your head right away as, as Torres scores that goal to, to, you know, to seal the win? What, what's going through your head as soon as that happens? Um, yeah, so, so look, the game day for me, um, you know, nothing I do on game day really impacts the team, right? I mean, that's, you know, it's, all the work has been done, you know, in terms of what I'm doing, uh, you know, probably months before for the real impact. Uh, certainly, I'm, I'm, on a daily basis, I'm trying to make sure that Greg and the players have the resources they need to be successful. It's all about, I really believe in, in the culture that we try to set at, at, at TSC is people are successful when you put them in an environment uh, and if they have the expertise, you let them do their jobs, right? Don't micromanage, don't get in their face every day, don't ask too many questions. Uh, hold them accountable, results, um, you know, decisions and everything, but, but let them do their job. So when it comes to game day, for me, it's, it's really about going around meeting the fans and, and we do, you know, I do a chalk talk in the channel, in the tunnel club and, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm around, but when the game actually happens, if it's MLS cup, there might be a little bit more obligations that, you know, there might be a, a TSN interview to do or, or something like that. But then I, I sit, you know, along with myself and, and Corey Ray, who's, who's here as well. We can get him up here, and you guys can uh, ask him questions. He's one of the few employees left from, from year one at, at, at Toronto FC. I think he's the only one. Um, so that's a testament in, in of itself. So he sits next to me, uh, along with sometimes our, our scouting director, if he's in town. Uh, our analytics manager of analytics is there. Um, we have another room next door with our director of high performance, who um, who works on a number of things, whether or not it's cognitive, 
issues decision making for the players, um, preparing mentally for the game. He has a room, and then there's another room for our video uh, manager of, of video and uh, uh, sort of cutting film. And so during the game, you know, all of these rooms are working together, uh, discussing the game, and then at halftime. Uh, we really reached a really uh, a decent level of information that's flowing down to the locker room so that Greg has the tools he needs to make decisions if he wants to on the fly. Uh, and that's, you know, obviously the analytics team and the video team and, and, and our high performance team that's really created a culture where the coaches are looking for them for information because a lot of times there's this big analytical movement in soccer. A lot of times teams are, you hear teams doing things but at the end of the day, if the coach isn't using it for either training sessions or for game time decisions, it doesn't really matter, um, you know, from a, from a technical standpoint. Uh, so, so we're doing that. And then, uh, and then obviously I'm watching uh, because you, you want to make sure you're there and you're present. Wins or losses, I think it's important for a general manager, sporting director to be present at home, on the road, because there's a lot of hard decisions you have to make in terms of player personnel. And if you're sitting across a, a player and you have to – release him at the end of the year or trade him or, or even, you know, in, in a good situation, you get to give him a raise. Uh, they want to know that you've been there and, and they understand where you're coming from if you've been there with them. Uh, and, and, and so uh, that's sort of my game day. Now, to, to, you know, an MLS Cup. Yeah, you were, you were avoiding that for a long time. I was. I was, I was trying to, to yeah. you know. Uh, As a lot of people were, I'm sure. Run distraction. And, no, it, look, at the, at the end of the day, I, I think um, – when you don't score in 90 minutes, you leave it up to, to the soccer gods. And uh, we can all talk about how we don't like penalty kicks. We do like penalty kicks. It's the way we decide games. And, um, you know, maybe it's, it's like flipping a coin, as some say. But um, when that, you know, when Torres scored that goal, I think it was I, – I, people have said it, and I, I agree with them. I, you know, I just went numb. I, I, I felt like we had played a game that we were um, – you know, deserving of a win, uh, understanding that in this game you don't you don't deserve anything unless you unless you uh, you you you're the team that wins at the end of the day. So I felt numb. I felt I was disappointed. I was extremely sad. Uh, I was um, was I was sad for the players, the coaching staff. Um, you know, at the same time, I was extremely proud, not just of of the work. That, that the ownership, starting from the ownership down to the management in the front office, but everyone down to the, uh, to the grounds crew and our cafeteria, I feel like people don't know what goes into um, to, to the environment that we create for the players. And, and, and I feel like I was very proud of where we got to. I, again, um, you know, it's not like winning. and we, At the end of the day, we lost, but... Um, the players put it out there, and, and, and to have gone to a place where we won five or six games before this group sort of got to TFC to a place where we're competing at MLS Cup is, you know, it's a proud moment, and, and I'm not uh, afraid to save that. I just, um, you know, it's, it's a fleeting moment, and at, that, at the end of the day, though, you, you, you go home and, and you, uh, you, you try to get better um, because it's, that, that season's done, it's over with, as we all know, and, and it really doesn't matter uh, at this point. You can build on the core, and I think that's what you do, but you, and you can take those experiences and use them and make sure when we get back there, when we get back there, uh, we use it as motivation, but you've got to earn it all again. You start from zero, and you've got to earn it every day all over again, starting with preseason. Whew, well, that was heavy. Um, you know, I, Another I, beer? Yeah. I know that uh, your fans here have a lot of questions for you, but before we get to that, one more. I, I got to ask you about the academy because um, that was one thing that was very high on your list of priorities when you came in was to build the academy and, and, and build what you've said to me is you've called it a feeling of excellence. And, and I want to ask you about one player that you identified before, Raheem Edwards. Um, I won't shut up about him in the press box. I think he's as dynamic a player as you guys have had in years. But I got to ask you, I mean, when you look at your Academy products, he's been, like we've said, he's been surprising. He's been one of your most effective players at creating offense. But he's an Academy product. You guys also have some of the highest paid DPs in the league. Mm -hmm. When you look at how successful Raheem has been compared to some of your DPs, does that make you rethink how you build a roster because you can see that these players are in your backyard. 
these players are available, does it make you rethink how you construct a roster? I hope it does. Um, I sit in front of our academy uh, players every year, every you know, every few months. I get in front of our players and our and our um, and our parents, and I talk about what it means to the club, this academy, and how they're developing. And, and the challenge to them that I presented to them is, you know, we want the backbone of our team to be, you know, TFC products from, from Ontario. Uh, it's very important for long-term success. So, um, and then if you go one step further, my challenge to them is be the next designated player. Um, there's no reason you can't earn this money. You can't be the team, the player that we're putting up on the poster. So, um, you know, when you have a player have some success, some modicum of success, it's still very early for Raheem, uh, and and we got to make sure that we, um, we 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 set our expectations at the right. You know, he's still young in his career, uh, but you want them to aspire to be great and to do great things, and and to have players like Michael and Josie, Seba, Victor. I could go down the list. Uh, you know, uh, as role models and as players daily, every day, teaching them what it takes to be at that level. I think that's that's really what's special about Toronto FC uh, beyond the personnel is is the environment that the players come in. These these you know, 12, 13, 14 year olds come in every day and they see Michael Bradley and Jonathan Osorio, uh, Jay Chapman, and if they want to, they could they could come and watch training and they could interact with them. Um, so, so when I look at these players who have some success and, and on our team or other teams, it certainly makes you think you, you know, you, 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 it could rethink your roster. Now the question is when, um, we will always be a team with, with, with that has ambition. And so we will, whether or not they're three DPs, uh, or more TAM money, or they change the number. We aspire to be great. We want to be a consistent contender that we've every year. Uh, we want to be innovative. We want to be the best in player development. And so uh, we'll we'll spend. Um, you know, we don't always want to be the highest spending team in the league for sure. Uh, and because and so, because so, sorry, but, the, but the, you look at what like Raheem Edwards. And again, I, I got to get in my obligatory Raheem the Dream mentions, but like. He's earning a fraction of what your DPs are. And there would be some people in here that might agree with me that he's outperforming a few of your DPs. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's got to that's gotta make you think about, well, should we be the highest spending team in the league, right? Um, look, I, I think that the, 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 the reason you go out and sign players of the caliber of Sebastian Javinko, Michael Bradley, Josie Galtador is because there's a certain level of certainty um, mm-hmm. that they're going to provide. And it's not just measured in the talent on the game day, what they bring to the pitch. It's who are they as people? Who are they as leaders? Um, when you're trying to take a club that has struggled and never made the playoffs, you need – experienced people who've been in under pressure and have led clubs before. So I think it's, it's very easy that to think about what have you done for me lately in terms of, you know, Raheem's been exciting and, and he obviously has a tremendous amount of, of, of potential uh, and he's delivering on, on our expectations. But um, I think we, we have a long ways to go to, to before we can start to put him in, in the category of, of some of the top players in the league. I think let's all be honest and just hold our hand up and say, hey, you know, we're excited about the potential. We have a number of players, but um, to play in, in, in a top league uh, around the world or to be a leader in MLS and, and to lead a, a club out of, out of, out of you know, some very dark places, um, you know, it, it takes more than a string of games you know, and a few assists and goals to do that. Again, obligatory Raheem Edwards mention out of the way, but really... set you guys up for a... Yeah, he's here somewhere, I'm sure he is. Um, Enough of me. I'm sure you guys have some questions for Bez. Um, I don't have a microphone, does anybody? (laughs) Hi, uh, Tim. Um, I think you're uniquely positioned to answer this question given your experience in the league office and now being part of a Canadian club. Um... You know, two issues come to mind, the development uh, and promotion of domestic players and and also sort of growing the league and increasing TV ratings. You know, we've seen uh, gigantic sort of franchise fees, but but maybe the TV ratings haven't yet caught up. Um, And in the U.S., one of the 
maybe solutions to address those issues, has the MLS has entered a joint venture uh, with U.S. Soccer in coming up with the Soccer United marketing, uh, the sum. And, you know, Don Garber has recently announced that maybe there will be a Canadian MLS office. And I wonder if, if Canada Soccer has made any noise about sort of creating something a, akin to the Soccer United marketing here in Canada that would partnership with Major League Soccer and, uh, you know, be able to promote both TV ratings and the domestic player within Canada. Um, so, so the question about Soccer United marketing, which is essentially the marketing business arm of, of Major League Soccer, and they do have a, they represent U.S. Soccer, but they also represent the Mexican Federation, uh, which is critical uh, because they they actually in the U.S. I believe at this point are still getting more people watching, uh, uh, you know, Liga MX uh, in the U.S. As in some markets than MLS. So, uh, Soccer United market has represented. Um, you know, uh, Liga MX, U.S. Soccer, as well as MLS, and to some degree, MLS, uh, the teams in, in Canada. Um, you know, I, I, to answer your question, I think there's been discussions. You know, I, I'm not privy to, to those conversations anymore. I, I, I know Don and Garber, the commissioner, has had uh, increased focus on Canada after, you know, frankly, for a, a long time, but certainly after the run we made last year, the noise we made with Montreal in terms of the, the, the semis, um, you know, it, it, people woke up to what, what, what's happening in Canada in terms, of the, in terms of soccer. You don't have to develop and create markets like in, U, in the U.S. you're still trying to develop. You have ready-made soccer-sophisticated markets here, so let's use that. And so um, whether or not it's broadcast, I think the broadcast numbers were extremely strong last year um, in, in the playoffs. The question is, how can you get that consistently throughout the year? What, is, it, is it opening up uh, uh, some office in, in Canada, perhaps? Um, I know the CSA is exploring, I believe, a, a, a similar um, arm like some. I know the CPL, is, there's, there's some noise about maybe they're in collaboration, maybe having their own. I think it would be good thing, a good thing to have MLS in Canada because of their experience that they, 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 they hold in terms of how do you get a sponsor connected with the players uh, so that it's a win-win for everyone because that's ultimately what, it, you know, in, the, in terms of marketing, it's, it's promoting the league, it's getting your players out in front of your fans, uh, connecting with, with commercial opportunities. Um, and, that, and, and, and 20 to 30 years of experience of the people that are in the league office I think could serve the market well uh, in Canada. And, and look, there's a lot of people in MLS League office who are very knowledgeable on, um, you know, uh, on the Canada, you know, the Canadian market. I mean, there's Canadians in the league office who are working, who, who are, who are obviously know the market. So yes, they're doing that. Very briefly thoughts on the CPL. Um, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't know why this is. This is a strange or awkward conversation. I, I think it's a great thing for Can for Canada soccer to have another league, more professionals playing soccer. Um, my whole, th our whole thing was just we wanted to be brought into the conversation again. Mm. To that same point about you have people who who have who have built leagues before. Not myself, but but you know, uh, Bill Manning has been around for teams. Uh, that when the league was growing in MLS from the very beginning, and so wouldn't you want him in the room, you know, talking about common challenges and obstacles? Wouldn't you want MLSE to be a part of the dialogue about the league? So for a while, I think we were just being a little bit vocal about just being a part of the conversation. Sure. Um, and, and, and recently we have been. Uh, we went out to the annual general meeting out in Whistler a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and now we are, and we talked to... Bob Young and, and, and the group in Hamilton, and, and certainly there's an open channel of communication now, and, and that wasn't there before, so we're excited about it. Um, what role we'll play, we're still not sure. Uh, we certainly want to help, but by no means is this a, like a, again, it's not an awkward situation. I think it's great. I think um, it's just a matter of, 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 you know, what role we play and, and, uh, and how can we help the league grow and how can it help MLS grow and, and, and how can it help Canada soccer uh, qualify for the World Cup. Two more for Bez. What do you got? With the scarf, right on. Hi, uh, this is more of a TFC2 question. 
so over the past six hecklers nine months, on the hecklers. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> over the past six nine months, we've seen a shift in TFC two away from the 17, 18, 19 year old purely Canadian, purely academy kids to bring in guys like Ben Spencer and the guys from W Connection, kind of slightly older. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope you could talk to the strategy behind that and what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah, so um, TFC2 is our second team, and, and it plays in the USL, and they're full professionals. And um, the idea is is you want to create a professional environment for players to uh, learn what it's like to be a professional. Rather, you know, there was a gap before TFC2. There was a gap in the pathway where players would turn pro with maybe an MLS contract if they're lucky at age 17. And, um, you know, you could go to stories of Freddie Adu and, and the list goes on and on about players who just, just weren't ready uh, to play uh, or ready, maybe ready from a technical standpoint, but not perhaps for all the mental and off-field aspects to the game. So uh, I think it's, 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 we've seen a profound change with this USL relationship which allows us to... Uh, put our academy kids that are that are you know our academy, t our TFC two last year was was the 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 youngest or second youngest team in the entire league. I think our average age was around twenty point eight years old, and and that's uh, the average age of a non MLS team in the USL is roughly twenty seven years old. I mean seven years younger uh, than than most other standalone teams. Um, so what we found was. We have a group in the 90, you know, 98, 99, 2000s that we think in, in are very strong. We have, a, we, you know, we have a couple 97s, uh, Luca Uccello, but mostly it's this 98, 99, 2000s. Uh, and we felt like we put them in, in, in a situation where, like around the world, around 17, 18, 19, that's when they're turning pro. And we don't want to be shy anymore about our expectations and aspirations. We feel like players should, if they want to turn pro, they should do it earlier. The landscape in Canada is, is, is fantastic in the sense that you don't have to have a trade-off between education because you can still play soccer if you were to be waived and get an education after uh, if you were to be released. Um, but at the same time, we do want to be competitive uh, in the USL. And... We felt like we, when it came when it when it came to playing against some of the standalone teams, we uh, we felt like we could get a little bit older, and that can happen in two ways, right? You just time, uh, the younger guys that are in our from our academy that are getting time with TFC two will get older, uh, and now we're instead of around 20, 20 and a half, we're about twenty one and a half, twenty two now, and I think that's that's a good place. We we consider it sort of our under twenty four team, and we want to land in a place where we are around 22, 23 years old on average. Now, we can't just produce those players out of our academy if they're not there already, right? So like I said, ours are, the players in our academy now are more 98, 99, 2000, so, so 16, 17, 18. Uh, and so uh, another opportunity for us is to go and sign players internationally uh, and then for those players to then perhaps compete for the first team. So, you know, if you look at the Portland Timbers, I think they are doing uh, much more robust job in terms of, of getting internationals to their 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 Timbers 2 team. I think Seattle as well. I think we're, we're relying on our academy, but we're going to fill in the gaps with special talents that we feel like we can get internationally. So uh, through relationships in Trinidad, in Panama, um, um, obviously relationships with, uh, you know, in the U.S., uh, in our scouting department, we're going to use those resources to be better because there's a way, if you can get a player in that's 22, 23, 20, 24 into TFC2, and then he jumps to the first team, he's going to hit the ground running compared to someone you're just going to sign to the first team and he joins the team in preseason. So, sorry that was long-winded, but I feel like it's, it's, uh, this is a really critical sort of year or two for TFC2 and, and for the development process because you know, we, we, the rosters are evolving, and we want the backbone of our team to be from TFC2, and that will include a majority will be TFC Academy, but we would love to have a diverse roster from not just uh, U.S. and Canada, you know, from the Caribbean, from Mexico, from South America. I think that's a good thing for a team in MLS. It is a fantastic question, and that we got a Freddie Adu mention is also great as well. Uh, we'll back. take – yeah, we'll take – one more for Bez. Hello? Sorry, guys. Right on. 
We got a great panel coming up, though. Hey, Bess, thanks for being here. Um, my question comes as a Canadian Premier League fan or future fan. I'm one of those weirdos. Um, and what my understanding is, as I appreciate your comments towards the Canadian Premier League, it sounds like you guys are kind of setting up as a one pizza shop city. Uh, and as I respect that, the one area that doesn't sound like you can have a monopoly around is the academy and, uh, you know, your players of TFC, people under the 18, can't really sign a contract um, to stay with you guys. Is there any sort of concern or measures in place to ensure that your players are staying with TFC Academy and aren't leaving for places like Hamilton or Ottawa? Um, yeah, I mean, the way I answer that question is, is, is you got to treat your players so well that they don't want to leave. Um, that's all, at the end of the day, you can put a contract in front of players, and it doesn't have to be at 18. We would do it at 16, 17, 18, because, again, you could go to any team around the world, and they're signing their players at 16, 17. Uh, it doesn't have to be a top league. You go to Switzerland, Austria. All these players uh, are signing them at 16, 17, and then their highest, their transfer value is at their highest when they're 19, 20, 21 uh, in terms of their, for their first transfer. Um, so that's, that's, that's the model that's been built up around the world. For us, though, I get back to it's, it's about the environment, right? So w the best place that they could be uh, to become successful professionals in terms of the environment is, is going to be a TFC. Now, down the road 10, 15 years from now, I think, you know, after these clubs in, uh, have had time to, to create facilities and, and have traditions, then, then maybe we could have a conversation about it. But I'm not concerned uh, about losing players, academy players, to, uh, to, other, uh, to other clubs in Hamilton or, or wherever. And, look, does it maybe force us to be better? Yeah, that's that's competition, and 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 if they build build academies, but you know perhaps we have an affiliation uh, where we are actually sending our players to spend one or two years in the CPL as sixteen year olds because we want them to be pros. I'm just I'm just sort of uh, uh, speaking out loud here, but it it doesn't that doesn't phase me. I think it's all about the environment that you create that'll that'll allow your player the best chances to be a successful professional soccer player. Tim, when you walk off stage, you're going to have a lineup of fans who are going to grill you about CPL, TFC2, and you know what? He'll answer your questions. Let's give it up. Tim Bezbachenko, TFC GM. Thanks for having me. Here at the first ever Footy Talks. Um, we should also announce that um, on behalf of Homestand Sports, anytime um, a member of management comes to one of these uh, Homestand Sports makes a donation to the MLSC Foundation. So let's give it up for Homestand Sports Thank as you. well. Uh, my name is Joshua Cloak from The Athletic Toronto. Please check us out. Subscribe if you can. Uh, we're going to take a very, very short break. And then we've got a great Champions League, uh, Premier League panel. I, I think they're going to talk Man United. I hope some... I hope somebody I hope somebody talks Byron in there, please. Again, once again, your GM Tim Bezbachenko. Thank you.